When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that teaches you how to advance into retirement rather than retreating. I'm your host and valedictorian, Eric Brotman, and today's guest is Holly Morphew. Holly's a visionary, financial coach, and multi-generational entrepreneur. She's the founder and CEO of Financial Impact, which helps professionals and entrepreneurs create personal wealth and financial independence. A pioneer in the personal finance industry, Holly's work's been featured in Forbes, Business Insider, Yahoo Finance, Femme Founder, and more, and her own journey in eliminating $67,000 worth of debt in her 20s, reaching financial independence in her 30s, and overcoming chronic illness are what inspire her to help others realize their dreams too. I met Holly at the FinCon meeting in Austin, Texas this year, and she's a superstar. I know our audience is going to love her. Holly, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thanks so much, Eric. I'm so excited to be here. This is really fun. First of all, it was so nice getting to talk to you at an actual conference that we actually went to personally and physically after uh, like a year and a half of feeling like uh, it was a fully remote world. Tell our audience a little bit about your uh, your path, your journey, because it sounds like there's been uh, it's it sounds like a circuitous route to getting where you were. And so tell us about that. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it really has been like I always say that wealth is such a journey and life is an ebb and a flow and there's no such thing as perfection when it comes to wealth building and my journey is definitely exemplary of that and you know i I grew up in a family that talked about money at the dinner table so it's always been a fun and comfortable topic for me like if not creative like you know my my mom is a real estate investor her parents were real estate investors my dad's an entrepreneur uh, his dad was an entrepreneur so it's it's in my blood and you know money and business and uh, financial independence to me is just it it's something that it can be super expansive and it's also something that I think a lot of people are are really aspiring to and you know, I, so I bought my first house when I was 25 and that was really empowering for me because, you know, I was able to get a roommate, a friend of mine moved in and I charged her super cheap rent and she helped me pay my mortgage. And it was really this win-win experience. And so I started asking the question, well, why am I the only one of my friends who is having this experience, you know, who's bought a house and I'm, and I, it made me feel very secure and safe. And I realized, okay, it's because a lot of my friends at that time, this is like the mid 2000s, didn't grow up in a family where they talked about credit and debt and, you know, the importance of savings and, and how to buy a house. And, and so as I looked around and, and realized that many of my peers were either living at home or living in apartments or really struggling with their money, going into debt or, you know, had, you know, not not a great credit score just because they weren't educated, I realized, okay, it's because we're not teaching this stuff. And so at the time, I was a member of Rotary International, which is an international service organization. And I went to my club, to my board members, and I 
proposed this service project. I said, you know, why don't I go to local high schools and teach young adults who are getting ready to graduate and go into the real world how to manage their money so that they can get started on the right foot like I was able to versus making a lot of the mistakes that can take many years to undo. And they love the idea. So I went ahead and started teaching this workshop. And it was a total success. I was taking time off of my full time job to teach this this little money workshop to young adults. And then after a little while, I I had teachers and parents of my students calling me up and saying, Hey, Holly, can I sit in on your workshop? And I thought, huh, you know, this is interesting. And I realized it's not just young adults that want to learn about money. Everyone is thirsty for financial education, all ages. And and now, you know, today, fast forward many years later, as a financial coach myself, I everything that I do is about meeting my clients where they are. I call it just-in-time financial planning. <laughs> so that's how I began, you know, teaching personal finance. It, it, when you, as soon as you said that you grew up in a family where you talked about money at the dinner table, I, I think one of my eyebrows went up in a very peculiar way, kind of like a confused dog, right? I, I was like, wait, there are families that talk about that at the dinner table? <laughs> because <laughs> so many don't talk. It's taboo. Um, it, people don't talk about their net worth or even what's important about money. And there's no education out there. So the, the fact that you created this um, this this content um, 13 years or so ago is, is uh, amazing. And so... So when you started teaching these workshops, this was a community service project. This was a volunteerism, correct? Yes. And are you still teaching in the traditional sense now, or are you doing purely one-on-one coaching? I actually donate 10 to 20% of my time through my company, Financial Impact, to uh, service organizations, libraries, local schools, and local charity organizations to um, help people learn about money. And yes, I do one-on-one coaching today. I also do small group coaching programs, masterminds, and lots of other fun wealth and abundance related things. And, you know, one, a big piece of my story that I didn't quite get to just kind of going back to, you know, the journey of creating wealth and how life, you know, sometimes it's everything is going great. We're able to invest and save. And sometimes it's not because we get laid off or we get we get sick. That was my experience. And so, you know, my journey hasn't been perfect at all. As a matter of fact, even though I had bought this house, you know, in my 20s and and things on the outside looked like they were going really well for me. um, I also had a lot of debt myself as a result of uh, when I was 20, I was diagnosed with a chronic illness. And my medication was $5,000 a month. And after I graduated from college and moved to the East Coast, got my first job, I got sick again. And my insurance didn't cover my expensive medication. And so for six months, I charged my medicine on my credit cards. And for a long time, you know, even, you know, leading up to and after I bought my house, I was doing what I call mental accounting where I had an idea of what was coming in and an idea of what was going out in terms of my cash flow, but I hadn't actually written it down and I was very much like not wanting to face it. And it wasn't until, you know, at this point I was probably in my mid to late twenties, I was working, I had a great job working in real estate, working for a fortune 500 company. And my office was 40 miles from my house and I drove a Honda Accord 
and we had three back-to-back snowstorms in Colorado and literally our whole state was shut down except my offices were open. And I called my boss and I said, you know, I think it's a risk for me to get on the highways and come into work. And she said, if you don't come in, you're fired. And I thought, huh, what would happen if I didn't come into work? And I realized I was very much living paycheck to paycheck. Like I was always waiting for my paycheck to come in so that I could pay my bills. And that was the moment when I realized, okay, I've done all the things that society teaches us to do. You know, I went to school, got good grades, got the job, you know, bought the house. But here I am, if I don't go to work and risk my life to go to this job so that I can get my paycheck, I'm literally going to lose it all. And am I really successful? And I realized in that moment, I wasn't. I just had a lot of debt. And so I did make it to work and home safe that day. And when I got home, I added up my credit card debt. And I found out that I had $67,000 of credit card debt. Wow. That's a lot lot of credit cards, Holly. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, in fairness, you know, one of the biggest causes, I think, of of bankruptcies is, in fact, medical expenses and prescription expenses. So it's Mm -hmm. not rare that that someone can run up, you know, life changing debt over over an illness that that is, uh, I think, a frequent occurrence in this country. Absolutely. It is. I mean, we have the data to back it up. And that's why having health insurance is so, so crucial. And that, that experience is what really motivated me to, to continue to teach personal finance because, you know, taking time off work to teach was becoming, you know, it was becoming more difficult for me. And so after that experience, I did call my financial advisor and I said, hey, you know, I need some help. Like, how do I get out of this situation? I really, I'm working, you know, 60, 70 hour weeks. I cannot work anymore. And he asked me, well, how much more money do you want to invest? Now, not all financial planners and advisors are created equally. You know, many like you want to really go deep and like help, like, let's, let's see how we can get you to where you want to go. But that was his solution. And so just from that moment, I thought I'm going to learn everything that I can about debt elimination, wealth management, um, personal finance, investing, and, I devoted my life to that. And three years later, I just applied everything that I learned to my personal finances. And three years later, I was totally debt free. And shortly after that, I had money in the bank. And then in my 30s, I became financially independent. And then a year after that, I became a millionaire. And so that whole experience made me realize that money really is simple. It's just a matter of being consistent and showing up for yourself and learning like what to do first and having health insurance is absolutely crucial. Well, simple is a a loaded term when talking about money. And I know it's also the title of your book, Simple Wealth. So tell us a little bit about that. First of all, congratulations on the book. You are a best-selling author. Uh, I am an author, not a best-selling author. So you clearly did something right. You struck a nerve and, and hit an, an, an amazing, uh, have an amazing success with your book. So tell us more about that. Thanks so much, Eric. And by the way, I have read your book and it is fantastic. It is like <laughs> a, a Bible for me. It's on my bookshelf and it's just so robust and um, it's almost like an encyclopedia, like everything that you need to know. So kudos to you too. You know, writing a book is a big deal and You know, I think the reason that my book became a bestseller in, you know, lots of different categories from, you know, women in business to personal transformation, credit repair, real estate, personal finance, wealth management, etc. I think is because 
like I said, it's not just the strategy. You know, I always say wealth building is only 20% strategy and 80% mindset. So woven into my book is the habits and practices that transform you into a wealthy person, which are the same things that, you know, when you're reading my bio earlier, you know, I also through this process of becoming the person, you know, becoming the wealthy person, it had these secondary benefits, which was health and happiness, which by the way, the original meaning of the word wealth comes from the English root welle, which means happiness, state of good fortune, and welfare. And I really think that those three things work synergistically together. That's interesting because we're taught, while we're not taught finance in school, we're taught that money can't buy happiness. Um, Mm. And and I don't know that it can, although it certainly can make things easier. I know a lot of people with a lot of money who are unhappy humans and Mm. and have known plenty of people with far less wealth um, who are joyful in lots of different ways. So I don't know that it's a a linear uh, equation, but you're absolutely right that that having wealth, wealth is a, a word that can not only mean financial wealth, but it also means things like being a wealth of information, a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of experience. It, it just means that there's, there's uh, abundance, right? I mean, that, that is a, a part of the way you define that, no? Yes, yes and yes. <laughs> so, I mean, you did this largely, almost entirely by yourself. You got out of this, this horrific debt situation um, and you started building wealth and you started building wealth at least in part by teaching people how to do it themselves and now you're a financial coach, but you're not just, a, a, lots of people call themselves financial coaches. You're actually accredited, and, and so let's talk a little bit about that, because being an accredited financial counselor uh, and being a member of, of the uh, Association for Financial Planning and Counseling Education uh, does really set you apart. That is a credential that most folks who call themselves coaches I don't think have. Yeah, I think it does. And thank you for bringing that up, Eric. You know, I I became an accredited financial counselor in 2015 after many years of teaching personal finance and feeling like I was alone and just wondering, like, where are my people? Where are my people who also agree that this is really important? And somehow I stumbled across the AFCPE. And when I looked into what they were doing and their affiliation with um, NEFI, the National Endowment for Financial Um, education. And um, at the time, the CFPB wasn't around the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, but they are now. And and the AFCP is very much a a liaison between those organizations, but they also work in academia. And so they're, you know, boots on the ground, right involved in all of the studies that are going on that are tracking what people are actually dealing with when it comes to their personal finances. And, um, it's real, like the struggle is real. And it all starts with education and empowerment, which is why I love your book so much. And I love the, the this podcast so much, because you're really helping people understand, like, you can get wherever you want to get financially, it's just a matter of knowing how to do it and taking the right steps at the right time and having income. You know, it, you don't have to make a lot of money to become personally wealthy. You just have to make some money and put some money to its highest and best use every month or at least on a consistent basis. So I love the AFCPE for that. Yes, you know, being an accredited financial counselor is the highest certification that you can get. 
um, you know, for financial counseling. And I, and I really consider myself a coach, um, but I also have the counseling background. And, um, you know, I think the difference between a counselor and a coach is, is as a coach, I'm really helping people discover the truth that is within them, discover, you know, and realize the potential that is within within them, you know, like all of the answers are within us. Counseling is a little bit more like hands-on telling people what they need to do. So they're both really good. They both have their benefit. Um, but to me, coaching, you know, I was a high school volleyball coach for 14 years, played competitive volleyball for 23 years. So it's something that I feel like I was born to do. Well, you clearly have found your, your niche and the, the public is absolutely um, benefiting from your, I'll use the term, wealth of knowledge and the simplicity that you bring to the table to try and help people figure this out. Um, there's, there's a lot about wealth that is, that is um, baggage from when we're young people. There's also, I, I think the trajectory to building wealth has uh, as much to do with behavior and mindset as anything else. And, and you, you said that there's, there's definitely a mindset involved. How does, how does someone who is maybe not from that kind of background, um, not from a background where money's talked about at home, not from a background where maybe they've seen a lot of success, financial success anyway, in their, in their families, how do you take somebody who's um, who, who really wants to get there and is trying to find not just the resources, but the mindset, how to learn the behaviors. You know, to me, it's all about getting into community. Like finding your people is really powerful because you are who you spend time with. And that was one of the first exercises that I did when I really wanted to take my life to the next level is take inventory of, you know, who is on my team and who truly wants success for me and where can I expand my knowledge? You know, like my first um, company was, you know, it was kind of like, I felt like it was lovely and it was great. And I was teaching personal finance alongside my full-time jobs, but a point realized, okay, if I want to be a full-time financial coach and I want to create the kind of income that I need to live the lifestyle that I want. Now that's going to be different than like what you're aspiring to. That's going to be different than what, you know, my clients are aspiring to. Like we all have different core values that drive us and motivate us. But I decided that I was going to put myself in a whole new swimming pool, you know, like I was in a, you know, just like a small kind of local community. And then I, I hired a business coach who exposed me to like a global stage and, you know, global um, entrepreneurs. And, you know, I got to speak alongside Calvin Klein and 50 Cent and Mel Gibson and Christy Brinkley and Bethany Frankel. And my first speaking event, you know, I was in front of 1500 entrepreneurs from all over the world, just like learning from, you know, people who are doing things differently. And that really, that experience really expanded my mind. And I realized, gosh, you know, like, there is no ceiling to how much money I can earn and to all of the different businesses that I can start. And, and that was really exciting to me. And so, you know, from that experience today, I have 11 streams of income, you know, and I believe in having multiple income streams in your personal life. If, if you've got the energy for that, like some people just want to go home at night and put their feet up. That is perfectly fine. There are lots of ways to create residual income within that. Um, but I also like the idea of creating multiple income streams in my business. And so, you know, all of these are things that I didn't come up with on my own. I learned it, you know, those that that year that I spent learning everything I could about money after, 
you know, I realized that my financial advisor wasn't the right financial advisor to help me get the results that I wanted. I broadened my, um, my circle. And so I think that that's probably the most powerful thing that, that someone who comes from a family that's not talking about money, that's not like supporting them into wealth is, you know, get outside of your comfort zone and go find someone who's doing what you want to do and go learn from them. So as an accredited financial counselor, you've, um, you've distinguished yourself amongst what is a growing pool of folks who at least refer to themselves as financial coaches or, or different kinds of coaches. The financial advisory world is fraught with designation. It's, it's full of designations and different kinds of backgrounds. And people typically called themselves financial advisors if they said they did. And you mentioned that your financial advisor solution was how much money do you want to invest? And, and I'm, I'm sure that that led to your breakup with that advisor. Um, but it's very difficult for consumers to know the difference between a, um, a financial advisor who is, is going to be not only a fiduciary by law, but also a, a, a good steward for them versus someone who maybe has their own agenda. And how can a consumer tell the difference? What is the, is there a bellwether? Is there a way to know, or is it consumer beware? Yeah, I love that you brought that up. I mean, you know, I mean, really two things. And the first thing that comes to mind is use your intuition, you know, like really tap in and tune into, you know, how are you feeling in conversation when you're interviewing financial advisors? Yeah, definitely look into what are their certifications? Are they a certified financial planner? Do they have another designation? Do your research and pay attention to to how you're feeling in conversation with them and, and what they're telling they're going to do for you related to your money. That's, you know, that's, that's number one. And there are good realtors and there are bad realtors. There are good doctors and there are bad doctors. Like you can find wonderful people in every single industry. And so it is up to us to, to make the best decision for ourselves. And the other thing that I will note, and this is really the reason that I have pursued the path that I've pursued is because I believe that financial advisors and financial coaches both have their time and place and they're both very, very valuable. Like I have a financial advisor to manage my liquid assets. And I love that because, you know, they're in the market, like following what's happening every day. That's not interesting to me, but the difference, and this is the way I describe it when people say, oh, you know, financial coaching, I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. I say, okay, well, a financial advisor is the person who helps you invest money that you already have. And a financial coach like me is a person who helps you create the money to invest. And that's a very simplistic way to look at it. But like I said, I think they're both very valuable and, you know, financial advisors just to help you with the tax stuff and, and all the complexities is, is powerful. But, you know, how do you get to the point where you've got money to invest? That's, that's a whole nother ball game. So there's a growing industry of financial therapists, which, you know, I guess you can be a therapist of almost anything because people have different kinds of traumas or baggage or, or difficulties at different times in their lives or they just want someone to talk to. What's the difference between coaching and therapy in, in your estimation in this space? Oh, goodness. Huge difference. And I think fi financial therapists also uh, provide a lot of value. But, you know, therapy is is a completely different field than counseling and coaching. Therapy is about kind of like, going back in life and, 
and and recrafting the stories that we have told about ourselves that that led us to create conclusions about ourselves. For example, you know, we don't have enough, so I'm not worthy of of having enough or you know, I didn't this this need wasn't met and so you know, I'm, I'm going to have a life where my needs aren't going to be met. Those are all stories. And I think a financial therapist can help us unlock those stories and recraft our stories so that we can get different results in our life. So, you know, a financial therapist might be helping someone with trauma or limited beliefs. And to some extent, you know, as a coach, I'm also helping people uncover their belief systems and their patterns and that kind of thing. But I would say a therapist, a financial therapist is doing much deeper kind of look back work so that you can, you know, clean your slate and move forward in a positive direction. In your coaching and teaching experience, uh, I'm certain you've run into some of those amazing aha epiphany moments for either your uh, your your students or attendees or your clients or what have you, can you think off the top of your head of of you know maybe a story of an aha where a light bulb just went off and it 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 changed someone's trajectory with obviously without uh, divulging too many details about them specifically, but is there an aha or an epiphany moment that you can think of off the top of your head that was like that perfect golf shop that keeps people playing because <laughs> you know it's that that one that says okay I can do this but. Do you have one? Oh my gosh, I have so many. I feel like every day is an aha moment in my clients' lives and it's so fun. Like what I do, I feel like is such a gift and a blessing because literally once people learn, oh, you know, this is a great example of it. Oh, you know, like I can take 100 or 200 bucks a month consistently and, you know, throw it at my debt, for example, and I'll be debt free in a year or two years. And it's like, and then, you know, then after that, I just keep taking that same amount of money and, you know, I can build what I call your lighthouse fund, which is your six months of essential expenses. And I think that that's the thing is like when people realize that it's not difficult, you know, it's, it's not, it is wealth building is so, so simple. It's just a matter of being aware, like awareness is the first place to start. And once you start to understand, like, okay, if I understand what I have coming in and what I have going out every month and I'm willing to track it and I apply my dollars to their highest and best use in a certain order, which, you know, and I know that we're aligned in this, Eric, because I've read your book is, you know, eliminate debt, save, and then create the residual income, then, you know, I can have more freedom and choices in my life instead of in like, you know, 10 years, in two years. And then what that does is it it helps people ascend Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I mean, that's what this is really all about is like, when you're living in debt, and I know because I have been there, I mean, it was painful, you know, being paycheck to paycheck, being married to my job, being dependent on, you know, having to do something that I didn't love to do so that I could pay my bills. You know, if you're in that place, then, you know, you're we're living at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like the, you know, after food, water, shelter, we get into like um, security and job security and, and financial security is, is at the bottom. But once you start to realize like, oh, man, you know, in just like a year or two, I'm not going to have to make these huge payments anymore. I'm going to have money in the bank. So maybe I can move into a better living situation or, you know, I can get that car for my kids so that I'm not, you know, driving them around all day, every day. Or, you know, I can like take some time off so that I can, um, 
you know, get a certificate so that I can increase my income. Like there's so many things that open up for us when we, when we create that space. And it doesn't take, like I said, a lot of money. It takes just a little bit of money put to its best use to get to that point where, you know, then we're starting to think about like, how can I boost my self-esteem? How can I have deeper and more meaningful relationships? And then we get to the top of Maslow's hierarchy and it's all about realizing our potential. Like, what did I come to this world to do? Like, why was I born? What's the, what's the meaning of my life? And, and that's really why I show up every day for my clients, because that's what I've created in my life when I really allowed myself to dream and get super connected to what it was that I valued. Everything else is about working backwards and the money stuff um, just falls into place. So I, I want to tease you for a second, Holly, because I, I feel I can. We've known each other long enough now I can. And that is that you have 11 income streams because I guess 10 was not enough and 12 felt like too many. Um, <laughs> what's next for you? Do I dare ask, what is the next big mountain to climb? I know you're a, a hiker and a, and a climber and all of that. What, what, what's your next big thing, if, if you can share it with us, if it's not a, a trade secret of some kind? Yeah, what a lovely question. Thank you for asking that, Eric. Yeah, you know, sometimes my clients will ask me, why are you working so hard? You know, if you're financially independent, millionaire, blah, 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 why are you, you know, in, in COVID time sitting behind a computer eight hours a day? And it is because, yes, I love it. And it is so enjoyable for me to help people make those transformations in their lives. But the more money that I can make with my company and the different income streams that I build into my work, the more money that I have to build a healing retreat center on some land that I own just east of Boulder. So that's my ultimate dream. I want to live with the animals in the gardens and, you know, invite people in to do their healing work because it's not just money. Like if I always say, if, if you made it through childhood, you've got some bruises, you know, like life is rough and we can all live in harmony and um, and enjoy our lives. And it's just a matter of like really healing ourselves. And that takes, you know, guidance and leadership. I've done it myself in my own life. And the, the biggest takeaway I have from, you know, overcoming my own chronic illness, because I was, you know, sick off and on for 17 years of my adult life is that when I got into groups and started doing um, healing work within groups, going to retreats and um, doing psychotherapy and meditation and, you know, chanting and all the, you know, crazy things that, that, that are out there for healing, it, it works, it worked. And so I want to pass that on to others and, um, you know, creating a better world is, is what drives me the most. Holly, this has been so much fun. I'm so glad to reconnect with you. I'm so glad to share you with our audience and i know you're not a you're not a secret because you're you're having so much success in your career and, and with your with your books and courses and but i just didn't want to keep you a secret from our audience because this has been just awesome it, i need an extra credit assignment from you and i think you've given us about uh, about 27 to choose from but <laughs> if there was one thing one thing folks could do right now having spent a half an hour with you um, whether it's to, to further their own financial independence journey or to, to get their own mindset uh, shifted or whatever you'd like it to be, what would the one extra credit assignment be today? You know, I'm going to say it's just the basic thing of narrowing down what are your three core values 
You know, like what is really important to you in life? You know, for me, my three core values are love, freedom, and authenticity. But for others, it could be loyalty, hard work, the planet, animals, family, um, transparency, health. There, there's so many different values, and that's what makes the world such a fun place. Is you know, if we all get crystal clear on what it is that we value, then we can start to visualize the kind of life that we want to have. And when you start visually visualizing the kind of life that you want to have, you can make your money match that. And that's been super key for me. And that's one of the first places that I, I help my clients start on their own wealth journey is, is really seeing where it is that you want to go. And then like everything else, we just work backwards so that, you know, your external reality starts to match that internal yearning. Great assignment, sage advice, and uh, I'm not surprised to hear that authenticity is one of your core values because I know very few people as authentic as you. Holly, thank you for joining us on Don't Retire, Graduate. You've been an amazing guest. This has been such fun. Thanks, Eric. What a pleasure. Thank you. So before we part ways today, Holly, how can people learn more about you, about your courses, buy a copy of Simple Wealth? Uh, What's the best place to, to get information about you? Two ways, Eric, you can go to my website, financialimpact.com, and you can find me on Instagram at Holly Morph, H-O-L-L-Y-M-O-R-P-H. Very good. I hope folks who are listening to the show will check out your website and your book. It's, it's been awesome. And I thank all of you for listening again today. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Please also check out our books, workbooks, and online financial literacy resources at BrotmanMedia.com. We'll be back next week with another installment of Office Hours and in two weeks with another engaging guest. For now, this is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate. From this day forward, let us begin changing the way we view retirement. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website at BrotmanMedia.com to subscribe. And please like us and post comments on social media. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.